Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with SAIT Corporate Training. A huge thank you to Craig Hass and his team for their ongoing support of the Collisions YYC podcast. 40% of people globally are considering leaving their employer before the end of the year, according to a 2021 survey conducted by Microsoft. Whether you're a senior leader, a manager, or an individual contributor, hearing that stat for the first time, it's going to get your attention. For me, aside from freaking me out a little bit, the first question I had to ask myself is why? Well, let's be honest. It's been 18 months of the pandemic, and many of us are left unfulfilled and looking for change. This may be tied to lack of perceived advancement in your careers over the past year, or by organizations being in survival mode versus growth mode, or simply being, quote unquote, locked in our houses for the last 18 months. We're looking for something different, and we're look, more importantly, we're looking for change. No matter what the reason, I think we're about to turn the corner to what is going to be the greatest economic opportunity of the past century. Are we ready? Since its founding in our province over 100 years ago, SAIT has been at the leading edge of what our citizens and companies need to be competitive locally and on the global stage. To find out more what they can do for you as an individual or as an organization, check them out at sait.ca slash corporate training, or better yet, open up your email and contact Craig Hess directly, craig.hess, at sait.ca. He'd love to chat with you, walk you through your needs, and more importantly, how they can help. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Lee Ackerman. How are you, Lee? I'm very good, Tyler. Thanks for coming on the show. You are. Let's get let's let's dive right in head first. Director of Digital Strategy at SAIT School for Advanced Digital Technology. So before we even get into your role and the magic that you bring to that program, maybe let's just give the guests a high level. If you haven't, uh, sorry, this sounds critical, but if you've been living under a rock, you might not have heard about what SAIT's doing with their School for Advanced Digital. But in case you haven't, let's uh, maybe give everybody a, just a quick little uh, kind of elevator pitch from your perspective. Sure thing. And you know, I, I can start with, our, our basic intro, we teach and empower people to thrive, create, and lead in our digital society. And from there, we, you know, we, we, we pull on that thread a little bit and start to answer, well, what do you mean by digital society? <laughs> and we think that digital plays a key role in how we connect as people, um, how we govern, um, how we connect, how we learn, how we participate in the economy, and pretty much every facet of life. And it hasn't, if it hasn't yet, it will. And it's a case where that technology and the digital aspect amplifies the people. And it, it's not the technology alone, but it really becomes a case of um, how do we think, how, what are our mindsets? How do we approach different problems? How do we connect and talk as, as individuals? And that gets amplified and magnified. And, you know, the digital certainly plays a role, but it always starts with the people. No, I appreciate that. <clears throat> Something you said there, just a thread for me that I'm going to tug on is, it feels like our world as everyday life, as I reach for this phone, that's never more than 12 inches away from my hand at any time. It seems so much of our world. It's just, it feels like it's organically going that way. So with what you guys are doing, when you think about organizations, companies, uh, individuals looking to make impacts in their organizations, is there a gap in terms of, you know, in just maybe just your own point of view between what's happening at an organizational level versus maybe the expectation and just the way it's, proliferated into my everyday life. If I deal with a company now that doesn't feel as easy as this phone that I hold in my hand, there's some, I have a new standard that now I gauge again. So is that something that is a realization of just the gap between what we encounter in our everyday life and how it seems to just permeate. And then you end up in an organization that's struggling to maybe get caught up with this whole digital transformation kind of buzzword. I'll be honest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so for oh, thank you for simplifying my long-winded meandering a question. <laughs> Boy, what a challenge, right? To see the pace at which the consumer side or our social side advances and then to come back and say to your organization or business, why can't we do that? Why can't we operate this way? Why is it so filled with friction or frustration or um, you know, we can see the writing on the wall competitive wise? Why can't we keep up or why are we being disrupted? And, you know, that, that almost comes back to the mindset, the ways of thinking. And, you know, I, I think back to being uh, involved in startups years ago and, you know, building out your, your hardware, your data center, <laughs> if needed, um, all the infrastructure. And now, you know, you, you could spin up a virtual instance somewhere and be online almost instantaneously with a new business model, or at least to test it out. And, you know, just unimaginable that now, you you know, you could be a full-fledged startup or new initiative with a credit card. 
and not with a big, big credit limit, where in the past, you know, you'd have to get some serious funding to really get proof points and traction. That's so interesting. And when obviously we all have the last 18 months or 17 months or however you want to measure it that we've all lived through and it feels like this is accelerated. The school was well in play and well underway in terms of getting established well before that. Curious, like what's shifted over the last, have we just, has the last 18 months been an accelerator of a journey we were already on? And just curious as, or has it also created a sense of urgency where companies were like, well, all right, we'll tackle this next year. Well, next year, just, next year just showed up like on the rapid. Is that a factor that you guys are seeing just even in, in your interactions? I know as say you're very engaged with the community, not only from a learning perspective, but with organizations and how to plan for the future when you, when the future is like, even even less than ever been not been undefined. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's the quote out there that the future's already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Yeah. That's a quote from and the eighties or the sixties. That's, that's a super old quote, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think from the eighties, maybe the nineties. Yep. Um, yep. Otherwise it came up in my history class. Let, let's say it that way. Um, <laughs> I've heard that used before. And then when you go, well, that was actually something somebody said, like didn't say that in the last 12 months kind of thing. But anyway, sorry, I, I digress. Not at all. I digress. But a lot more of the future got distributed over the last 12, 18 months where, you know, the idea of being a digital nomad or working remote. Um, I, I started working remote in 2003 with teams and I've spent a lot of my life in Calgary working with clients and colleagues outside of Calgary. And yes, sometimes it included a flight, but not, not full time. That's for sure. And so, you know, people have been working that way for quite a while, but now a lot of people <laughs> and almost all of us have been the last while or, you know, a large majority um, where possible have been able to do that. And so if anything, it's been a little bit more democratized and, um, you know, a bigger experiment and um, how exciting it is to be on, you know, sort of the precipice of what does the next look like? What happens when the, uh, the force is we relent on that and say, okay, now you can go back. We'll go back to what? What is what is the next look like? Totally. And I think, you know, we're in this summer kind of time frame. This will probably air closer to September. I feel September, October feels like a bit more of a reckoning when it comes to that because everyone's in a bit of summer mode right now. But all of a sudden the hammer will come down, whatever that means in your organization. And I've heard some maybe heavy-handed CEO statements coming out of the US like, well, you know, like if you're not back by September, we're going to have to have a conversation. Like it's, it's interesting the way it's getting played out. And I think it'll really separate the companies that are... <sighs> how you define value is up for grabs. But if you keep trying to define it like you did two years ago, I think you're going to struggle. I think you're going to get pushback <laughs> personally. You know, yeah. And it brings to mind the sunk cost fallacy, right? Just because you've spent money, you need to keep going forward, either spending more or leveraging what you spent on. So not so long ago, people built a new building or got new space and they have a lease. So if I've spent the money, I'm going to use it versus what is the right thing to do going forward? Um, how do we get the right value? And, you know, it almost comes back full circle to the beginning of the mindset. There's no way you can move fast. You can pivot if you're, you're trapped in sunk costs and old ways of thinking. And I like what you said, like you've been working remote since 2003. There's a whole group of people I know, like developers, people that live in that digital economy, which now is to our comment, almost becoming everything. But there was a huge amount of people that are like, well, this was just how I worked already. So like, yeah, come on guys, like get with it. You know, I have a group of friends that fall into that category where they almost minimize it of like, well, welcome to the way it's been working for us in this, in this kind of culture behind the scenes. But that's really boiled up to an interesting level. And we kind of, I like what you said, was, it was kind of one of the biggest global experiments and it kind of worked. We disproved all the, if you're not here, you can't add value kind of, I'm just going to call it a bunch of it's bull. If I don't see that. If I don't understand, if, if you have to be in the room for me to think you're adding value, then I don't really understand what value is in that context. <laughs> and digital is just amplifying that. So when you think about what you guys are doing at the school and kind of keep pace with, you know, industry and students, and it's, you guys have an interesting role because you're kind of this quintessential middleman, if you will. So when you guys look at this and you and I had a chat about this offline, how do we standardize this? Because it feels a bit like the Wild West when it comes to digital transformation, quote, uh, you know, open quote, end quote. When you guys look out at the things that you set in place that are going to educate individuals to be successful, not only next year, but the year after that and the year after that, how do you guys baseline? How do you guys even begin to baseline that? Good question. And it's, um, it's a challenge, of course, where Oftentimes, we'll introduce the idea of digital. The first thing that comes to mind often is, well, technology. Yeah, yeah, we get that. 
or the idea that, you know, we're going to use software. We get that. But it, it's different. And, you know, right down to that, that human side of the different ways of thinking, how we carry ourselves, um, how those connections change, how we collaborate, um, how we create. And, you know, I'm going to go back to your comment a moment ago about, you know, proving things over the last 18 months. There, there's often this discussion about, well, you need face-to-face, you can have the collisions, you can have the creativity. I don't think creativity has stopped the last year or 18 months. <laughs> I would say it's accelerated, um, actually. <laughs> there's been a ton of creativity and collisions. And, you know, you, you talk to people like, hey, you know, not only am I going to startups online, I'm going to startups from Europe or from South America where they never would have been online like this and I couldn't have participated. So trying to get people reoriented and aligned and a shared view of what are some of the core competencies or ideas around the skills, the readiness, the literacy, what does it mean to be digital um, is, is something that's critically important where it's really hard to move forward if we all see it differently. And so how do you post a job? How do you plan your career path? How do you talk to other people? Um, how do you mentor somebody if everybody's got a different language? It's, it's just a hugely inefficient marketplace. So the, the work we've been doing is, um, it, it, it's interesting. There, there's been a need recognized in Canada for, for over a decade that there needs to be a shared view on digital literacy. Everybody's agreed we need that. But yet here we are, 2021, there's no shared view yet. But we all agree there should be one. And there's been councils. <laughs> and we, and we agreed on that to, 10 years ago. And we had a lot of committees that all agreed on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so eventually, you know, um, you, you got to move forward because the important thing is, yes, you need some standardization, but it doesn't have to be the perfect one. You need one. And you need a good one, of course, right? And, and I'll often talk about things being good enough. And I don't mean it to diminish, but there comes a point where um, adding more doesn't get you anything. So where we're orienting and rallying is there's a standard from IEEE, a leading worldwide organization that's been around for decades, looking at hardware, software, technology, and bringing people together. Um, Late last year, early this year, they both first ratified and then published a new standard for digital skills, readiness, and literacy called digital intelligence. And so we're excited about it because it's the world's first and only global standard in these areas. It's thoughtful. It's come from years, and I actually think it is about a decade. (laughs) It didn't start in Canada. It started internationally. It actually started with folks, researchers, leading leading researchers out of Singapore, and doing work and looking at other standards, capabilities, the needs, and building momentum where in the late teens, um, getting to the point where digital intelligence surfaced and then was brought to IEEE for adoption, support, and rolling out. And this provides us that that standardization. It is thoughtful. It draws upon other frameworks and ideas from around the world and brings the best of those. It's accessible. Um, If the library or group you're associated with does not have access to the IEEE membership (laughs) or um, access to download, you can go purchase and I think it's it's twenty dollars. Okay, so so back. so like, a low barrier to, to entry. It, <laughs> absolutely, access. and I'm sure if there was uh, a lack of funds, IEEE could their arms could be twisted like this. And by the way, we, we're we're sharing a lot of information about it as well. You don't have to go download the spec. As much fun as it is to read the spec, <laughs> in case you're having some sleeping challenges or you know to wind down at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly, and so. Having the standards to start, but who does it apply to? And, and, and the really great thing, I think, here is it applies to everybody. And so, you know, as you, you look at the, um, you know, the entertainment world, they're like, you know, this is for ages 8 to 88. And this, this really is. So there, there, there are programs out there, and we're working on some of these, working with kids 8 and upwards, and through to adults, where we start to talk about, okay, well, what are the different areas where we can engage with the digital world? And what are our maturity levels? And at the intersection of them, a view on the competencies that define the knowledge, the skills, and the attitudes and values to reach that maturity in a specific area. So there's a very well thought out structure around this. And then to get a little more concrete, um, the, the very first maturity levels to say, I'm a, a digital citizen. And in being a digital citizen, I am able to, in a healthy, 
ethical, safe, responsible way engage in the digital world. What a great place for us all to start. And you referred earlier on about, you know, having your mobile device with you all the time and screens and all that. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's good to not have it with you and to be thoughtful about how much time and to, you know, flip it over, put it away, put it on silent, put it on airplane mode, whatever, and to have a break from technology, whatever its form. And to then start to look at other areas. So the actual use of your technology is one of the areas that DQ focuses on, but so is identity. What is your digital identity? So once upon a time, your identity was pretty much everything that was you or in your wallet or your your purse. You had your ID card and you. And if somebody came up to you, they would meet your identity. You were you. But what is it now? Well, there's the Facebook you or the Twitter you, the LinkedIn you, the podcast you, and you have these identities. Are they the same? Or if someone crossed streams and went from your Facebook you to your LinkedIn you, would they recognize you? And I know it's it's kind of weird to say. No, but I, I get but, it. I hear what you're saying. It's interesting. And so identity is an area and then safety for yourself, security around your assets. So, you know, whether it's looking at online scams, the ransomware stories, or even, you know, you think about uh, not so long ago, you know, the advice was don't talk to strangers, don't get into the car of somebody you don't know. And I know there's jokes about this, right? 100%. And it's like, and that's Uber's business model. Um, so, you know, your own safety, your security, um, emotional intelligence as it plays out online. And whether or not you can see somebody's face, maybe you can only see their voice, or maybe you're trying to interpret context from an email or a text um, or a, a TikTok video. How, how do you? How does EQ adapt now in the digital world? And all or and all that stuff, and, and all that stuff's come on so fast when it, you know in terms of evolution and our ability to adapt. When you talk about this as as kind of a standard, is this something you can test against? Like to become a digital citizen is kind of the foundation. Is this like a, a credentialing style, or is it more just awareness and? you know, reading, reading, a, reading a module, watching a video, and then doing a questionnaire to see if you had comprehension. Like, how, how does it structure out? I'm thinking about it maybe very literally in my mind. <laughs> it is a new standard. There are absolutely um, assessments already in place and micro badges across each of these competencies. It is being um, delivered in various ways. Um, so there's some really cool things with, um, there's a youth program around this, as I mentioned, where there actually is an online world engaging kind of game that kids can play and get a report card afterwards. Oh, gamified. And there are scorecards showing up on country versus country, saying that, you know, for our youth, um, we really need to be thinking about how they engage because they spend a lot of time on their devices. Um, I'm always surprised when I see my kids talking on a phone. It's like, oh, I didn't know yours took calls because every- <laughs> no, that, that, <laughs> everything else. It, my my dad called me. I'm looking for a new phone. I said, well, first thing we need to talk about is that it's a it's a platform for other for everything, and the phone is probably the least you'll use it for actually. But his still in his mind, it was a phone. Um, so if I'm an organization and I'm thinking about this, I do appreciate the, the need to like standardize and like it makes a lot of sense to me in a world that feels a bit like the wild west. So as an organization, if I'm midsize, small, even large enterprise is this where i should start because you've got comp- you've got people from all different walks of life you've got different generations you've got everything under the sun you know more than ever we've got multi generations working on the same teams is this something that companies need to look at or is it something that should be more in the background so that they're more aware of it versus then leading with it this is going to need to be front and center and 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 it's it's there's a two part discussion I'll say. So one is, let's agree around what it means to be digital and this literacy, the readiness, the skills. And it dovetails really nicely into a discussion that is percolating all around us about what does it mean to be qualified and to get a job? Is it my credential from the past or what I can do? And so, you know, I talked about badges or micro badges, and you'll hear a lot about portfolios as well as we start getting into the digital world and the proof of capability and much more focus into competencies and skills and being able to show that you have a competency, both from an academic record, but then also from a portfolio or proof point. And the the core competency, I'm going to say, to start with is the digital one. 
<laughs> and then to connect and add on additional ones based on your industry and the further role. But if I'm thinking about my organization, at a minimum, I want digital citizens. They're, you know, back to that identity. Part One of their identities is as my teammate and or my boss or part of my company. How do they present themselves? How do they engage? How are they keeping me safe as well? How are they keeping the ID, ideas, trade secrets, IP plans of my organization secure? Never mind the funds and, and so forth that those core competencies are critical. That's absolutely the place to start. And from a perspective of now bringing this back to kind of the the backdrop of this conversation, which is Calgary and what's happening here in Alberta and Western Canada, how do we sit like talking about that on that global stage? I like what you said about ranking against, well, here's how you are country by country. And what do you see when you look out? Obviously SAIT has saw identified this as an opportunity and, and, a, and a place to invest into the community and what SAIT has done throughout its history. You guys have a great, I, I didn't really appreciate the, the understanding the role that SAIT has played in Alberta's evolutions over the years from like world war one all the way till now. How do we show up? Like, how, how do we, I don't know if you want to give us a grade, but where do we sit maybe on that global stage? And as the world becomes smaller based on technology, it, it, your competitive advantages now need to be much bigger than your own backyard. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there, there was some great um, data coming out this week and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but just talking about the growth of technology jobs here in Calgary, like this is in the past couple of days, rapid growth, same in Edmonton. I think we're up like 30% over the past couple of years in growth. Edmonton was like 50%. Yeah, I saw Edmonton, uh, Edmonton ranked, ranked super high. It's kind of globally, even on the amount of tech innovation that's happening there, which I know a few Calgarians might be miffed on that, but I think that's a good challenge we can step up to. <laughs> I had a few people Absolutely. send me that link, Edmonton winning, Edmonton winning. So yeah, they sent it to me for a reason. <laughs> but a percentage, not total number. Uh, okay, okay, good. I Yes, yeah. Yeah, the, key to, the key to numbers, right? You got to peel back a few layers. But with that kind of rise, and are we able to, because of course I have a lot of people on the show that are building companies and they're like, yeah, we're Calgary and we're Calgary proud. Yes, we're finding talent here, but we are, we, it is a strain. But I've talked to people in other markets and there, it, it, it seems to be a universal challenge, certainly in Canada and in the US from people I've talked to. You know, we, we hosted an event uh, just a few weeks ago and we had the former Lord Mayor of London join us as our keynote. And he started his, his uh, term as the Lord Mayor. And uh, I have to learn more about the details of what constitutes a Lord uh, Mayor. You, 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 uh, thanks for sideswiping like 17 questions I had about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, say, we'll so save that for another podcast, Lee. <laughs> yeah, the depths of uh, the Lord Mayorship. And so Sir Peter, who has since been knighted, um, in his time as Lord Mayor 2018-2019, Addressing the digital skills crisis or opportunity, glass half full, glass half empty, was his key platform. We, we are not alone. We are not the only locale, city, region that is recognizing this gap. And it doesn't exist only at the highest end, most, you know, cutting edge skills, hands-on keyboard or, you know, bringing together circuits or what have you. It, it's across the economy. What is the role of digital across all of our different um, jobs, um, disciplines, different careers, different ways of working? And it, it is going to be across everywhere. So we, we, we all have a challenge. So, of course, Edmonton will as well, but London does as well. We, we had a lovely chat sharing about our plans, where we're going, and we're like, we have so much to learn from London. And as... He surveyed what we're doing. And so we, we'd uh, launched a digital talent ecosystem playbook, put our hand up as a school saying we are striving to be a leader in our digital talent ecosystem. There's room for many leaders, but that there's a critical role for so many different types of organizations and everybody's to come together to advance our digital talent. And as we talked about where we're at and how we're perceived lagging behind, he's like, well, hold on a second here. Although we've been at this for a few years and we've built a coalition, I think they have 140 different organizations um, in a group called Future.Now is how they've organized. We have things we can learn from you guys right now. And so, you know, it's nice to hear that. that, is, that that's um, encouraging. So, a little, a little, a little, a little vote of confidence every once in a while goes a long way when you're, when you're fighting the long, the long, you know, you're playing the long game. <laughs> exactly. But a spirit emerged of, 
How do we share? How do we learn together across our uh, boundaries and across distances, which we probably couldn't do as easily decades before, which we certainly can now. But having that message shared that it's not going to be one school, it's not going to be one mayor, (laughs) one government, one person that solves these challenges and makes it possible for us all to benefit. And back to that intro, intro of teaching and empowering people to thrive, create and lead, thrive starts. How do we all thrive in a digital society? And, you know, whether that is um, looking at the, the kitchen of the future and the role of digital technology there, um, I always joke, I'm, I'm just uh, amazed and curious about the idea of 3D printed food. Hopefully it's good. I don't know, but what Lee, you're a tra- you you're a Trekkie from way back. Come on, you must be when you can do 3D printed food. <laughs> Come on, we've all seen this amazing what what was sci-fi x amount of years ago is now getting scarily very real. How we, as we all hold our hold our tricorders in our hands. Sorry, a little Star Trek reference for anybody who's paying attention. And and there's there's like pancake bots that automate the production of pancakes. And I'm like, I could get behind one of those in my kitchen. Uh, I would eat too many, yeah, pan- you know, but it, don't make pancakes too easy. Cause that's problematic. If you have the syrup, dis- <laughs> if you have the matching syrup dispenser, you're really, you're really in trouble. Um, and that's something that I've, I'm going to say this as an aha moment because it was for me a while back as I was engaging with, with, uh, I had a good conversation with Jim Gibson and talking about what you guys are doing at the school. And they said, Hey, like, let's not forget. We're not out there just to engage with the community. We're also here to engage with the other departments and say, like construction is being changed tour, tra- uh, um, hospitality, like you just alluded to every industry. And like, that's what I thought was really interesting when I kind of got past like, Oh, you guys are here to provide digital courses. No, no, no. Way deeper than that. And it's the digital transformation that's caused, it's not just digital for the sake of digital. It's how it's impacting every different sector who's on a different bit of a timeline. But no matter what you're in, as analog as it might have seemed a couple of years ago, it is quote unquote becoming digital really quickly to the pancake maker or the construction industry as, as an example. And and that's a great example to pull on. And, and I'll, I'll give an example to construction that's more serious than a pancake bot <laughs> or 3D food printing. But- um, you know, to your, to your comment about, you know, how do you have impact? How do you scale impact? How do you help drive transformation? This intersection of a school for advanced digital technology and the idea of applied learning that SAIT represents and has excelled at, what, what a great marriage. And so, you know, you start to look at, yes, our urban campus, our building is downtown where we can connect with many different initiatives, but we are also, you know, connected <laughs> to the main state campus and the other schools there, including School of Construction and so forth. And so we're, we're working in partnership right now with the School of Construction, rolling out a new initiative where we're bringing augmented reality into the future of construction, along with 3D printing and additive manufacturing. So that's kind of cool from a technology point of view. But as a future construction worker, it's not about just the innovation of the things, but the innovation of ways, as our friend Jim likes to talk about. And so in the innovation of ways, at a minimum, as a future worker in construction or the safety inspector or the purchaser or the real estate agent, um, the neighborhood planner, are we all digital citizens? Are we able to mature digitally? Number one, do we have that awareness how these things fit together? Do we understand tech ethics? And where I'm going with that is everything from not only privacy, but looking at things like AI and algorithm. So imagine going to get a a loan for your future home and being rejected by some AI or algorithm based only on your postal code. Sorry, Sorry, Tyler, you're living in the wrong neighborhood. I think we've heard you some stories. That, un, un, unfortunately, that is, that's not a hypothetical story you just shared. I think if I remember back to the news from about six, eight to 10 months ago in the U.S., there was some controversy around exactly that. Exactly. Totally opaque, totally biased, and the, the actual fairness of the system is, is hidden from one and all. It works really fast. But it, it's not to the benefit of, of the people. And, and hopefully it, and, work, it works for you versus against you. But if it works against you, you won't even know how or why. <laughs> You'll just get a red, a, red, a red flag on your on your file or whatever the case may be. Exactly. Uh, and so to bring these human side and angles in now, so bringing in DQ, bringing in the ethics. 
So decubing digital intelligence. Sorry, I I, I go into the the, the acronyms. <laughs> Thank you for clear. And thanks then, for clarifying. We can get you can get lost in acronym land really quickly. <laughs> indeed. And then the the other one we're really excited about is something called digital transparency in the public realm. Okay. So this acronym is DTPR, digital transparency. Sounds in like the public sounds realm. like GDPR a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. DTP, D, and, DTPR. Sorry, I like a good acronym, so I just got to pay attention. <laughs> DTPR. This one's really cool. It It's a specification. It's not a standard yet, but I'm expecting it to become one sooner than later. And this emerged from some really smart folks that were part of the Sidewalk Labs initiative in Toronto. Okay. And you may recall the idea there was to build a really smart city. So everything is digital and sensors and cameras and all that all over the place. So some of the folks that live there felt that that was rather Orwellian, right? Hmm. It's, it's all the bad of 1984, yes, of Monitor, course. Big Brother, and all that. And the project, after much initial optimism, tech optimism, it, 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 it was stopped. And part of the reason was people didn't like the idea that they're being observed everywhere and they were not empowered. They lacked the agency. Well, it, so it, 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 get, it ends up with all the fear and none of the, ups, or none of the perceived upside, right? Mm-hmm. And and no control if you, yeah. maybe you've had enough of the upside and I'd like to back opt to the, out. The ability to, like, back to digital identity and who controls what. And do you have the ability to opt out or has that been decided for you? And that's an interesting kind of, becomes very black or white on that moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. yeah, empowerment and agency as well as awareness are important to me. And I would expect to a lot of people. And so while it sounds like a really big formal kind of thing, the specification actually is really simple in that there's a um, almost an alphabet, a lexicon, graphical images that become stickers. You can put on a light post, a building, a door to denote a certain type of interaction between people and digital. Hmm. A QR code beside the sticker. And when you scan the code with your phone, it'll tell you what's being captured by who and how it's being used. Interesting. And so just making it aware now, as you imagine, going down a street. Yep. And you can see on the post, hey, there's facial recognition here along with the CRT. I would like to know that. Um, I might avoid that city block because I just don't want to be yeah, no, absolutely. and surveilled and recorded. But it, it gives you the choice, which is really what we're talking about, right? It gives you, it gives you the power absolutely. to choose. So connecting back to the construction, one, this is hopefully obviously a connection into how we make our neighborhoods and how we make our buildings. Mm-hmm. But when we think about our future construction workers, I, I, I started by saying, well, we're going to give them AR experiences. So they're wearing an AR headset where they're seeing an overlay of um, some digital thing onto the physical world. It could be specifications, blueprints for a building. It could be the teacher, an expert, providing sort of an over-the-shoulder type of guidance. But that also has a microphone and a camera and sensors. It knows where that worker is, what they're saying, and seeing what they're seeing. Should that worker not know that those things are happening? Should they not have some awareness, perhaps if they're not wearing the headset, that somebody else is and they're being recorded? That that empowerment needs to be there in the agency. And we need to start introducing people to these ideas as the future workers to understand what they are agreeing to or not and to how that will shape their work and performance measurement, pay, maybe, <laughs> reviews or, or other. And one day they're going to be the boss and making the decisions of the workplace as well. And how will they choose to empower their employees and work together? And then, you know, it's all the positive side. And I'll go to that. I've gone to the dark side, but to the positive side, how amazing is it as someone building a home to be able to see as you look at the studs, the overlay of the wiring and the plumbing. And as houses get more and more smart, all the wiring, (laughs) perhaps, or the different deployments, and similarly to come in as a home inspector and to see the overlay of the blueprints and what's been approved with what they see. And in addition, I'll say, because we know where everybody is, if you have somebody with a saw on one side of a wall and somebody with their head against the wall, (laughs) the saw should stop working. And I clearly am not a construction worker, but safety protocols can start to be enhanced because we know where everybody is and what they're trying to do. So there are so many positives here for our safety, perhaps reduce, reducing waste and having more um, sustainable buildings being created. Well, the, constru- we the construction process is incredibly wasteful. And I've talked to, <clears throat> I, have a few, I have a few clients, people I know that work in 
you know, engineered wood products and they've brought in more and more technology just here from a profitability perspective to stop wasting that six inches at the end of that two by four every time, a hundred times a day. That's a significant impact at the end of the year. So I'm curious, and I've heard this said about, you know, social media, we'll pick on, that's an easy one to pick on is, you know, we're willing to give up a lot to get a lot. We're willing to give up a lot of privacy and a lot of transparency and a doorway into our world to get that connection or to get that little dopamine hit or to get some of those things. But I do feel there is an awareness or certainly a level of, wait a second, what am I giving up? Like, I feel like when we ran into it really open arms and maybe a bit recklessly, I'm not, like no criticism. Yeah, sure. We'll give you this interaction to all your friends and we'll give you a little dopamine hit and we'll give you a like and we'll give you all these things. But it feels like there's definitely been some pullback and there's, you know, GDPR I referenced earlier. There's been incidences where governments have said, well, okay, we're going to put some checks and measures in place. I just, it's so easy to get caught up. And like, I hear the positives of what you just shared about the construction situation. I'm like, oh man, as a manager, as a homeowner, as anybody, I want all those things. I guess, are we at a place, and this is maybe we're getting a bit philosophical here around are we willing to put the brakes on those and slow them down to make sure that the other side being the digital citizenship, the, my ability to opt in and not out is getting checked because it felt like maybe up to now we haven't been as quick to say no. We've been quick to say yes. So this still might be philosophical, but I'm, I'm going to take a small step back from that and to say something like digital intelligence or DQ is the first step. If I do not have an understanding of a digital, let's say a digital literacy here. What data is being collected? How is data used? How does this connect to AI? How does AI shape my day-to-day -day? or how could it? How does this impact me in terms of my job promotions, the purchases I want to make? If I lack that literacy, how do I make the decisions you're alluding to about what I want to share or how I share or when I share it? I don't have the foundations to make the right decision. So that level of that gap between understanding and what's being done puts us at a disadvantage. And so that importance, you know, we talked earlier about the importance of digital intelligence to remove friction in the marketplace. Well, it also makes us empowered consumers or empowered citizens as we look to participate in democracy. This is critical and foundation to society. It's not it's it's important for jobs and transformations and right, but, but it's but it's much bigger than that mm. exactly is there a risk and i think jim brought this up when him and i chatted about a certain group whatever group that is i'm just not not there's no label to it but people getting left behind in this situation that you talked about because as as you know you've got digital natives and you've got some of those terms and you know my niece and nephew that have just grown up this is just the way it is they have a comfort level and also an understanding of privacy and kind of what's going on more certainly than I did when I was their age, when it wasn't even a thing. Do we run that risk? I guess maybe this comes back to the role that our nation plays and our government plays. How do we make sure nobody gets left behind or as few people as possible get left behind, whether that's self-choice or socioeconomic, there a, million, a million factors could kind of make you feel excluded from this change pretty quickly, I would I would think. And I know Jim, Jim speaks to that directly. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to first do a quick tangent and then I'll come back to directly Perfect. answer the question. Thank you, so the first part is I'd introduced a maturity level with digital intelligence of first being a digital citizen. Well, there were two more levels, a digital creator and a digital competitor. And the reason I bring it up is you'd brought up the digital natives. Well, it's great to have grown up with the phone, but are one, are you a digital citizen? Do you have that mindfulness beyond just being able to engage at some shallow level? So, I, you know, because you carry a phone doesn't mean you actually are a digital citizen. And, and that's not to diminish anybody, but let's not overestimate or underestimate without some ascertainment. Well, on humans, we don't overestimate our skills, do we? What? <laughs> no, no, not at all. And so to go to the next level yet to say as a digital creator, I'm creating new knowledge through these technologies and through these different levels. And as a competitor, I'm impacting my organization, my community, maybe the world. So the... Again, back to digital intelligence, it gets us to a little more depth and something more tangible beyond just saying, hey, you're a digital native, you're you know this age or that age or this generation, so you must be this. It, it's, it kind of wipes out a lot of those you know kind of categories that are that are not actually depicting yeah. accurate, like an accurate against. I really like digital citizen and I've heard that a lot more recently. And of course, once you start to hear something, you hear it more. And I really like it as a concept because it does separate to like, oh, I grew up with digital, so therefore I'm this. Well, no, I like what you said. No, not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, and, and nobody likes stereotypes. And, and that's the key point. So- 
let's get past stereotypes based on age or generation or because someone sees you with this or that, and let's talk about real competencies and maturity levels. Great place to start. And then to the the idea of being accessible and equitable. Um, If digital is going to be everywhere, we, we also need to think about whether we're working at you know, job A versus B, whether it was seen as traditionally this or traditionally that, digital is going to have a role there. And not all digital is through your keyboard or through your phone. So I'd even mention, you know, in construction, bringing in augmented reality headsets. Um, They might not need a keyboard for that. They might not need programming experience. It's that their work has changed through the injection of digital or in a kitchen that your scales are all connected and there's some analytics happening and some predictive aspects that lead to less food waste. You will not get away from that interaction with the digital world, but how do we build people up through these maturity levels? And so one is getting digital into all of our schools, um, start, providing start, more access. Start, start at the foundation, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that partnering in the ecosystem I'd mentioned, you know, trying to come together across, it's not one school, it's not one entity. Well, we, the flip side is that it's a responsibility for all of us and for all of us to come together. And so it's working with K to 12, it's working with community organizations, it's working with meetup groups, it's working with volunteering groups, social enterprises. And it, it, it's going to take a lot of us working together, experimenting together, cooperating, sharing results together. And this might be the biggest challenge, I think, where, you know, I, I think back, we, we did a little time travel before with the one quote, but, you know, one, one of the stories, I didn't live in Calgary when we had the Olympics. I came a few years later to Calgary, but my understanding is that the biggest success from the Olympics in Calgary was the volunteer network and how the community came together. When I look at the digital skills crisis, how are we going to succeed? That type of effort where we are all Coming together, whether it's, you know, big organizations, smaller groups, but, you know, Calgary's already proven it can do it before. And so if it's going to be equitable access, if it's going to be successful, it's, it's going to take that type of mentality that we're, we're all in it together. That's an interesting, just that challenge of like, what would cause that? Like, what is that event? What is that lightning rod that brings people together? Like something like the, uh, the Olympics and everything that brand stood for at the time. And I've heard, I've heard everyone who talks about that time of being in Calgary, they just glow when they talk about it to, to your point from all different walks of life. That's interesting. Cause what I've really pulled on a little bit, and I've had some other guests bring this up and like, don't misunderstand that we're not expecting everyone to be programmers and coders and AI experts, but it's the comfort level of maybe standing beside that robot in the restaurant and understanding how to interact and work in that environment. It doesn't mean you need to be a robotics engineer. And I think sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle of like, well, geez, I don't want to be a coder. I don't want to go down that road, but you know, I'm not a mechanic, but I understand how my car works and I'm able to use it to the best of, well, Arguably, I think I do a good job of it. The best of my ability, <laughs> as, we, as we all do. But it doesn't mean I'm going to take the engine apart on the weekend and see how it works. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe that's, an, maybe that's a real analog way to try to create, this is about comfort and understanding, not necessarily having to peel back all the layers and be a, you know, a developer with 10 years experience to know how the, to how the AI worked versus how to use it in your world and respect it. And, and even trying to connect worlds a little bit, I, I think the most interesting things happen at the intersections of different um, domains, topics. And so, you know, you start thinking about, you've mentioned AI, and I think of like some of the chat bots we, introduce, we interact with, whether it's text-based or talking to our phones and saying, you know, hey Siri or, or what have you. The idea that that is just a programmer's job I think undersells the effort that goes into that product or that interaction. And some of the challenges are to make that seem more human and more engaging. And so there are careers out there for folks that are more to the writer side and storyteller and can connect from a people side that help create the dialogue that those bots have. Where if they're too quick to response or too robotic sounding or sounding like someone who just writes code, and as someone who has written a lot of code, <laughs> I, I, I mean no offense, <laughs> but a, a different way to communicate where it might be a little more to the point, direct, a little less social, a little less small talk, where that comfort level might be needed in a chat bot mm-hmm. as you're looking to book an appointment 
for your car after it's been in an accident, right? To know and recognize that there's some emotions on the other end and how to calm somebody down and what a dialogue should look like, not just from a tone point of view, but from the words and how to listen. And so that softer side connects with the hard skills to make a successful product. And the the integration of those domains and disciplines leads to interesting products. And if I, if I come back to the SAIT story again, what I'm really, another thing that I'm really excited about, in addition to working with individual schools, is to work with multiple schools at the same time. And what magic happens is you bring together some of the ideas from the School of Energy with hospitality tourism, with, you know, um, automation, construction, the manufacturing, transportation. What amazing things happen is we bring together those disciplines with an extra layer of digital and make it easy for things to flow and optimize supply chains, reduce food waste, or, you know, truly innovate as it comes to how we use water to support our agriculture across Alberta. What, what a cool impact that would be. And it's not something that one discipline is going to solve. I've read that often that we live in a world where our problems are bigger than, than one perspective, that the things we're trying to solve have global impact, whether it's the economy, whether it's the environment, pick, you know, whether it's the recent pandemic, we've got to come at these things with such a variety of perspectives, this, even this isolationist mindset of like, this group will solve X, that it's actually kind of, it's just not realistic because the scope and scale of the problems are far exceed that reality anymore. Exactly. And, you know, I, I brought it to like the digital agriculture type of ideal. Mm-hmm. I, I keep coming back to this digital talent ecosystem and I'll say it's the same thing there that, again, it's not just one school that can solve this because, well, what about the social enterprises? What about the arts community? What about the medical community? These different perspectives will be coming together because we need to consider accessibility. We need to consider about different ways to apply innovations in different fields that can be reapplied or stretched or reimagined. Um, it, it's it, it's almost like restricting yourself to a crayon when you could have bought the 64 crayon box <laughs> with all the extra colors. Why would you have just one crayon when you're looking to color? Get the big box. <laughs> but there's certain colors that always go down first, but anyway, that's another, that's another, yeah, you probably another, tell a lot about a person in, how, in terms of how they use the 64. <laughs> There's, I'm sure there's a psychoval in there somewhere. Well, this is person's definitely going to be a sociopath. I'm not sure how they, why they only use the black. Uh, not to, not to say that it's a bad, that's a bad lack of color. Uh, are you seeing a little bit more willingness to collaborate? Cause what I'm hearing is that need to come together, not only the good old analytical versus conceptual, the creativity versus the linear thinking left, right, oversimplify. And I've read a lot of articles about that of like, wow, we've been so good though. We've built so much wealth and success for the last 50 years with a very linear step-by-step, arguably left brain approach where now we need to, how do we make connection? How do we make it more human? How do we solve abstract problems? Are you seeing organizations even in this ecosystem and maybe you have optics or not, are, 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 are companies in certain sectors willing to look to other sectors to learn? And like, well, no, you're, you're in mining. How, what can I learn from you? I'm in ag or I'm in oil and gas. What can I learn from defense? And I've had people talk about that before, that there's a lot more to be learned than we often give credit for. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely happening. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think through, you know, the stories and partners we're already working with. So some of our good friends are at Unity Technology. And, you know, they started off and continue to have an amazing business around video games. But they do amazing work around digital twins and bringing that 3D capability, virtualization into industry. And whether it's the mining industry, <laughs> our energy industry, uh, construction, what, what, what an amazing mapping now where you have your artists, what would have been a video game designer, possibly, right? The VR stuff that again has come a little more from gaming that's now becoming commercial. And um, it, it, it's already happening. And that might be like one of the more artistic areas of that. that but I love the cool concept of like, what can we learn from a gaming company? Probably a heck of a lot. Or, or what, what experiences can we create for our workers and our education process and everything through what this, this group of individuals is using on the week. Like, I love that cross pollination and like it gets back to the good old, the art of the possible. Right. And really that's limitless these days. It, it feels that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, hmm. You know, a, a great story. I think it's a great story. We went to one of the uh, the VR labs on the main Saint, Saint campus, and they were showing some of the work they're having students do in VR, where they're doing some of their, their water sustainability classes. And there's field work where you would go out to where the water actually is. Well, they've recreated that in the virtual world. 
And so you put your headset on, you have a partner, you're doing all the measurements, you're using all the tools and doing all the typical lab work. Mm -hmm. You take off the headset, you walk to your next class, so to speak. You've not spent two hours in a car going out for your one try to do the lab. If you find you didn't get the the idea, you've not mastered it, you do it again. There's no setup, no teardown. You know, you hit restart. Yep. The program starts again. It's the holodeck mastery, league. I'm going to keep pulling the Star Trek references back in. It's, it's it amazing. Is. <laughs> and we, one, one of the other groups uh, we, we had talked to in town um, that do some amazing things, uh, Exergy. Okay. Um, does significant work, 3D printing, additive manufacturing. Yeah, I've toured their, I've toured their facility. Work. I had their CEO on probably, maybe about this time last year, actually. They're doing some really cool stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they've been doing a lot of VR work in the energy field, right? Mm-hmm. To the point where uh, folks going through the, the simulation, the immersion, go now post-training to the work site and they know what everything is. Maybe better than the people that, that are there. What I love about that is that is so measurable. So like that's so tangible. Like someone who would take a month to get up to speed and put themselves often in risk because these are high risk environments where things can quote unquote go wrong. So you're dealing with safety and you, when you walk in, with a level of familiarity, like the, the the productivity, the safety, the reduced risk, the, oh, it's the new guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. That kind of goes away. Like that's amazing on a lot of fronts. Well, basically on almost every, yeah. every front. <laughs> and I, I like the last part about the new guy, the trust that it builds <laughs> in my teammate, right? Where you're in a, in a fragile environment, yeah. let's say, well, you as the human are the fragile part. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and, and the environment yeah. and every, yeah. And all the other humans that are going to maybe be suffer from what, if something goes wrong. To have that extra level of trust that you can count on the person you're working with, that they know the equipment, they know the flow, they know what to do because they, they've mastered and been able to practice so much more than they would have if they needed the actual machinery and the actual situation in a physical world. That layered on top of your, your construction analogy of there's also like IoT and sensors around that whole environment that also protect you from doing something wrong because you didn't know and checks and measures and like, oh, wait a second, did you really want to push that button or do push that lever? Like the amount of layers that we're putting in to create a, a secure environment, whether that's first, you know, loss of human life or the second one being the huge would be environment. And then of course, you've also got financial impact to the organization, downtime, all those things. And especially in Alberta, we know, we know about large scale projects. Like, you know, there's a lot of things at risk here an industry that's been under the spotlight that I think is doing a lot better than some as it gets credit for to put a lot of these checks and measures in place personally. Mm-hmm. So makes us all hopeful. Yes. Yes, it does. I had, I had someone, I had a leadership coach ask me years ago, he says, Tyler, what's your number one role as a leader? And I was like, well, it's a big question. I was like, Oh, I don't know. And he was an ex military leader. And he goes, well, Tyler, it's simple. He goes, hope. If you're not instilling hope that it'll be better than it was yesterday, then you're really kind of failing as a leader. It always stuck with me because often the best answer is the simplest answer. So when it comes to hope and excitement, what's, uh, what's on the horizon? Is there anything you can share? What do you guys get going on in the school besides all the stuff you've already, you've got going on, but what, what gets you personally really excited about kind of the next, you know, couple of years ahead? Oh, years. I'm looking at days. Fair enough. Six months, we weeks, just, weeks, <laughs> weeks. And we've just wrapped up, you know, we, we just wrapped up, um, a series of boot camps, and I know this sounds small, but they're they're big ideas and being driven by experiments and learning rapidly, and and that might shape a lot of my answer. So we, we had run uh, a couple of boot camps, a product management boot camp, a key leadership roles. We start to think about new digital capabilities and a boot camp for developing virtual reality immersive experiences. And each of the boot camps started independently. And then we had them connect or collide or merge about halfway through along with a client project. And through the second half of the class, they worked together as a team, product management, development, and a client building VR experiences. And so the benefits of this are not only to learn the technology or the thinking or the processes, how do you be a good team recognizing different roles, different perspectives? How do you respond to working with a client where you're building something from the ether that's so abstract and trying to make it real. There's an iterative nature to this because it's really hard to describe. And to tell somebody it's hard doesn't really sink in until you've tried to do it and gone through the frustrations of how hard it is to read somebody's intentions or in a poorly described scenario. It, 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 it can be frustrating. (laughs) Um, So we had great feedback 
Um, the projects they made were amazing. Um, everything from how to uh, commission a boiler to installing a furnace to deploying a commercial kitchen where you put on your headset, you're in those environments. And so to see those things created in a few weeks and then be deployed is, is spectacular and really exciting. And to hear the feedback afterwards of the learning, the growth, and now helping those folks get jobs in, um, in those worlds, which we're still working on. <laughs> but that, that, that's where we're going. And so we'll have more boot camps with more experiments coming in the fall. So super excited about that. I had mentioned our um, launching of the digital talent ecosystem and connecting back to the idea of, you know, this is all of us. I am so excited to work with our diverse group of partners and interested folks and different capabilities. Everything from looking at Arts Commons, who are doing spectacular things, and digital intersects with their world or arts intersects with ours. So working with them, working with our, our, our um, peers in post-secondary. So uh, we've already started connecting with Mount Royal. We'll, we've done some work with UFC and connect with them oh, and happy that, to connect that, that's more. That's awesome to hear. And, you know, whether it's to K-12, who we're working with, or uh, merging organizations, startups, venture builders, or into growing or transforming companies. That ability to cross organizations, come together and solve these complex, big problems, that, that's the road ahead. So we're, we're reconvening again in September, ideally, fingers crossed, knock on wood, hopefully we're opening up our building and being together in person. The, un, the undefined road, the undetermined road ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just coming together as a community, solving this big challenge through various experiments, various rollouts, some imagining, uh, probably a few experiments that go kablooey and don't work. That, that's, some of those. that's why they're called experiments. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's such a big part of what we're, what we're doing. Um, labs at the core of what we do, experimenting together, exploring the art of possible, feeding, learning, whether in our building, across the main campus, or elsewhere in the city. It's incredibly exciting to hear the level of collaboration, the level of willingness for people to kind of cross pollinate ideas to cross pollinate expertise and ways of thinking to solve bigger problems and to have a school like what you guys are doing with at, at the advanced digital that kind of acts as a hub of it. Cause there always has to be somebody somewhere that's kind of getting that momentum going. And the more I learn about what you guys are doing and the more people I get to connect with and see the impact you're having. And I'm very optimistic on the road ahead, but it's not going to happen by accident. Let's be clear. <laughs> uh, yeah. Blood, sweat, tears, intentionality, yes. some, some experiments that don't like, like I said, some won't go well, some will, but we're going to learn from those ones that don't. I find you, and, I find you often learn more, but that's just my own personal experience. When it stings a little bit, I tend to remember the lessons, but I think that willingness to call it an experiment and to know that there is a degree of that there isn't a pass fail and a right and wrong, that it is all about what did you learn and what would you do different next time? I think that sometimes just creates a little bit of permissibility as, as well, which I think is so important. Yeah. And as a school, you know, the key word there was learn <laughs> and there are lots of ways to learn. And whether it's running the experiment, sharing the results of the experiment, good or bad, <laughs> taking the experiment to, you know, build and scale it out with new folks and learn. And um, it, 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 it's, you know, really guiding us all to think about, well, what do you mean by school? What do you mean by learning? How do we do it together? How do we scale it? And how do we, how do we address the digital skills challenge? Hey, what do you mean by digital? Which I think you touched on right at the beginning, kind of been the backdrop for this whole thing. It's one of those words that we all use, but it means something fundamentally, I think like, not even minorly different for each of us. I think it has a significant difference. So starting to standardize that, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially when something's coming on so quickly and, and, it's happening to us while we're participating in it, whether we'd like it or not sometimes, but having a little bit of like, I love the digital citizen concept. It's just something I've been hearing more and more lately. And, you know, something just keeps resonating with you. And like, even that trying to understand what that means and okay, if I want to learn more about being a digital citizen, where do I go? So thank you for laying out a few resources and kind of, you know, I think also creating some hope in terms of our ability to kind of get on the same page and then do the hard work. Like just getting aligned is one thing. Then this work is still there is still there to be done. Mm -hmm. And that alignment, step one, absolutely step one. And the, the sooner we can align, we can get into the more fun, the more detailed, get the work, do the learning. So it, it, it reinforces the importance to say, hey, here's a great standard. 
if we need to influence, we can go back to a standards body, introduce some changes. But again, it's more than good enough. There's great stuff there. And let's get aligned and then let's start to build and build the skills that Calgary needs. I'm in. I'm in. Lee, thanks so much for sharing your time today and sharing your views. And I appreciate it. we got a little bit, we, we, we stayed, we stayed in the realm of like the facts, but we also got a little bit philosophical, which I appreciate because, you know, this is a big journey and there's a lot of, there's a lot of angles to look at it from. And sometimes there is the, the human side of it, as well as the nuts and bolts of the tech of, of the technology. And I think sometimes people shy away from it thinking that if they're not into the technology side, that maybe that's not their thing, but really understanding the holistic view of it, which I think you, you, you positioned that nicely today, but keep up the good work and enjoy your, your summer. And I look forward to, uh, kind of reconnecting with you guys in September and seeing what the, the what the world has in store for us. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tyler. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, Lee.